EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Trevor along with you here. Chris Bowen has brushed this episode of the Man Cave, but that's because our guest this week is a long-time friend of mine. Um, you may know him from Channel 10 as the host of the Formula 1 coverage for many years. You may know him from the coverage of the supercars over many years. Who knows? You may know him as Thruster. Thruster 1, I think he is, on Twitter. Uh, Greg Rust um, has a long history in the media. He um, he loves cars. He's one of uh, Australia's best-known motorsport commentators. And um, I love the fact that he was able to spend some time with me right here in the Man Cave. Uh, Greg Russ, welcome to the Man Cave, buddy. Very excited, Trevor. Oh, you are not. Stop I am, it. I have uh, heard this on Virgin In Flight. Uh, everything for the man, of course, yeah. covers two of my three strengths. I'm terrible. What's with, the third? I'm terrible with tech. You know that. Okay, cars, you're good. Cars, I love, yeah. and lifestyle. Okay, so, yeah. so um, would you count the, the watch as being lifestyle? What are you wearing there? A mate? little bit. That's uh, something very special that an old boss of mine from Channel Ten gave yeah. me. It's an Oris Williams uh, oh, F1. Wow. Watch so it dates back to our our Formula One coverage yeah. days and um, and a you know a sponsorship thing that they had with with Oris going back to that phase and yeah. um, I can remember vividly my boss giving it to me that year at the Adelaide Five Hundred and I was chuffed. Yeah, he looked at me and he smiled. He goes, "You owe me, Gregory." <laughs> <laughs> right, let's rewind. Let's rewind big time here. Um, Bowen can't be here because he's busy with his, with his son Slacko, Slack. but. The three of us essentially go back a very long way. Crazy. In fact, I'm going to say that you and Bowen hit 2GB around a similar time, late 90s. Yep. Would it be 97, 98? I want to say 96, 97, okay. thereabouts. Yep. yep. And I can even vividly recall you in Sussex Street in Sydney pushing <laughs> buttons on the old crazy phone system. I mean, that seems like yesterday. Yeah. And you look at how far tech has come now. Totally. Um I've got some great memories of that period, mate. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, the day, very sadly, that Lady Di passed yes. away. We were we were working there and the whole complexion of the job changed. We had to go upstairs into the archives and find stuff of, you know, when she and Prince Charles got married and helped put together a special. Crazy. So yeah. what what brought you to 2GB back then? Because I was working there with David Tapp, who, yep. who's a good friend of both of ours, um, working on sport and different things. Um, as I recall, you were in banking or something. Correct. It might have even been the ANZ. Correct. Um, so what brought you to, to a radio station, let alone to where you got to in the long term? This is a long story. I'll try and condense it so I don't, we don't lose listeners. Podcast, mate. There's no, there's no duration. <laughs> I, um, when I left high school, as you say, I, I was in banking initially with ANZ, then with a couple of boutique lenders in the, in the city. But I loved motor racing, and I used to do a bit of karting, super karting. Uh, terrible at it, but I... Used the to do with it. The big fairings. Yep, and gears back then. I had yeah. a, had, had a YZ80J Yamaha motor on it. Um, used to run the big circuits, Eastern Creek, Oran Park back then. Amaru, I loved oh, Amaru, Amaru, which is in Sydney's northwest. Gone now. It's all housing. Um, and anyway, they were at a race meeting at what is now Sydney Motorsport Park that was called um, back then the Winfield Triple Challenge. Mate. Mega. What an event. It was great. Australia Day long weekend, as I yes. recall, and it had everything back it then. It ran over two or maybe three, two years, I think, because I missed, I missed the second one because my brother got married that weekend. Yeah, bad. Bad oh, call. Uh, but, it, I mean, it had uh, motorcycles, cars, touring cars. Yep. Um, and then at night time, when everything shut down, they would open up the drag, drag strip, strip. So it became this multi Which at the time was the main straight. It was People awesome. who know yeah. Willowbank. Oh, sorry, not Willowbank. No, the Eastern Creek, Western Sydney International Dragway. Yep. It's its own distinct venue now. Now, yeah. But back then, it was the main straight of Correct. the Eastern Creek circuit. Correct. So this event had everything. So anyway, long story short, the carts were there in a support capacity. I was asked, uh, would I go up and talk to the commentators on the big screen type thing and did that. At the end of it, they said to me, have you done this before? I said, no. They said, would you like to do this again? I said, yes. And Who two, was it? two weeks later, uh, oh, now you're testing me. Two weeks later, though, mm. I was at Oran Park Raceway in pit lane doing truck racing, of all things. Yeah. And so it started. So I met people like David Tapp, among others. and uh, Diff? Diff, yeah. I mean, he and I are very close. We're good mates. We talk every few days. He's doing some incredible things in the States with NBC, yeah. both uh, motor racing and norm uh, and other w sports. Was the early days then at Oran Park the, uh, the tower on the infield? The tower of death. The tower of it's death. pretty crazy. So for people that, that, I mean, you just wouldn't. This is a weird thing. We live in a different world, and Bo and yep. I talk about this a lot. 
when you're on when you're a fan uh, and you're a viewer or a listener, you just accept that things happen. It just works. But what I'll never forget is going out to Oran Park with David Tapp one time um, to see him in the commentary box because I was a fan. I was yep. essentially a fan of David Tapp's radio show. Right, yep. I, that's how yep. I got into radio. Spark plug Trev from Edelong. I just became this radio groupie who got a job <laughs> and look where it ended up. You're not alone. So yeah, exactly right. So I went out to this thing and it was pouring rain. Yep. And it was leaking everywhere. That's yep. essentially the. I mean, it was a huge risk. It would never happen today. It was owned by the Perich family, who are extremely wealthy. I think they're Leppington Pastoral Company. But he was tight with his money, Tony <laughs> Perich. And so we complained at one point in time that the commentary box needed an upgrade. Mm-hmm. And when I turned up at the next race meeting, he said to me, "Yes, yes, we've we've given it a, an upgrade." And so oh, okay, so we we climbed up the stairs, the the tower was several stories high. You climbed up this metal ladder into it. I mean, from a OH and S and safety point of view, it was horribly placed. If one of those trucks had had a moment, it would have just clean bowled the thing. Mm. And so I'm climbing up the stairs thinking, oh, this is going to be good. It's had a refurb. And as I look up, all the holes that you used to be able to see in the floor are gone. I thought, oh, that's interesting. But as I got closer, I could still see the holes in the wood, but they'd just been covered up. And when I opened the door... He just stuck a beautiful, like, pegulum lino thing over the top of it and given it a, a lick of paint. And, but, I mean, you're right. There was one race meeting there where it was pouring down. The roof had holes everywhere. And it's like the, the poor bloke doing all the tech for us was trying to put towels over things and nothing mm. blew up and, you know, no one got fried. So you went from being a supercut competitor yep. to being interviewed as a supercut competitor to. Two, I guess two things happened there. Someone identified that you would you could talk because yep. I mean, let's be honest, that's that's a challenge, right? When you Very. and you would see this, we'll talk about pits yep. and different things in the future. But you come across people who just can't articulate, right? Yep. Um, even though they're a great racer or whatever, so you could talk, um, and then you obviously showed an interest in that whole. Do you want to come back and do it again? Was that the adrenaline? Was that the the drug that you uh, took uh, at that 100%, moment? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So a few things happened. Firstly, I had a boss at the time who was hugely supportive and had heard me doing this moonlighting right. on weekends. And he told me, he said, you should pursue this. So this is a finance guy who liked um, riding his motorbike. He would often go to the Phillip Island Bike Grand Prix wow. and stuff. And he encouraged me to pursue it to the point where he said, why don't you just go freelance, do a few days a week for me, go off on the weekend and chase this dream. And 12 months later, I came back to him and he just kind of waved me off. He said, go, I know why you're here. See, I, I know I know you're, how you're wanting to do this. important is that in it, a career? It was, it was amazing, mate, because my father and my grandfather, I mean, dad was managing director of a hydraulic company with about 60 staff. My grandfather worked in the rag trade, and they were business people, you know, and Mm. the pressure I thought or felt was for me to go down that path, and they could not have been more supportive. My old man sat me down and said, I want you to give this, you know, at least 12 months to two years. Give it proper, you know, if that means uh, living on next to nothing and chasing it. And, I mean, Diff and I would share jobs. You know, if if he got an opportunity that he wanted to pursue, but he didn't want to let down somebody else... We'd pass it around. And so, you know, I would drive nine hours to Ballina to call 70 dirt track races over the PA and, you know, then he'd do a go-kart job for me or something along those lines Mm. as we kind of climbed the ladder. But uh, David Tapp told me very early on um, that he thought uh, there was some potential there, but to go off and do some study. I went to the film, television and radio school. I did some stuff with Max Rowley, among um, among others. Um, I'm not professionally qualified and and lots of people ask now there's a young guy that reached out to me in the rpm days and said i I, want to do what you do Mm. and i gave him some advice i said go to go to the university at bathurst they've got a great uh degree there and and he literally followed everything that i suggested that Mm. he do and he's now uh a reporter uh, for a country television station doing a tremendous job he does a bit of uh, part-time stuff at sydney speedway because he loves his motor racing Mm -hmm. and, and he's Away, so I wouldn't recommend to anyone now to to not do a yeah, degree. It's a, it's a bit different, but but I am probably one of the last of the, the hands on. What about though? So get, let's go back to the two GB moment. To the it feels like a foot in the door. Was yep. that a I just want to do something thing, or was there a job there? I don't remember. But... Uh, I, I think David offered me some. He was the sport director sports there director, at, yeah. at, at the time, and he said, "Come and do some sort of experience and see what you think." And I was terrible, mate. I was absolutely <laughs> terrible because um, my general sporting knowledge back then was was nowhere near what I I felt my arsenal was like from a motor racing point of view. Right. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't I mean, put together a sports <clears throat> bulletin if you don't know how to. Pronounced Frank Pulitzer. Correct, or correct. Is, and, yeah. and so I was fortunate, mate. I mean, I, I got some kicks up the butt, but I was fortunate. I, I worked with uh, Andrew Moore, who was a very good 
writer and a passionate sports person. Yeah. So you, you learnt about um, condensing your words and what was important and what the headline was and, and all that sort of stuff. It takes and the difference between a game and a match and a set correct. In, in, uh, and in then, tennis. And uh, I can vividly remember a close friend of mum and dad's ringing them going, what Greg is doing around the grounds rugby league reporting on a on a you know whatever it was Sydney City Canterbury game or something or other and one of Dad's best mates going what the hell does he know about rugby league <laughs> <laughs> and it went it went from there mate but but I just like you um, and like people listening you, you just apply yourself yeah. and you have a crack and I think a lot of that stuff is still important now because diversity in in the landscape you and I play in now is very very important yeah so. Then that opportunity obviously be- began things because once you're in the media, yep. it, it does start to create a door effect. Yep. It might not open them, but it allows you to knock on them sometimes, Correct. right? So, what was your what was your next move? Because I think most people listening, with respect, I don't know what yep. you think people would think of you, but I think most people listening would think of you as the host of the Formula Ones yep. on ten and the V8 Supercar yep. guy, yep. right? Yep, that's probably my my staple, my main. They're, my they're, main they're what people recognise you for, but geez, mate, between. 96 and yep. now, yep. there's a lot more. So what was the journey? What was the journey towards, I guess, cracking it at Channel 10, which would have been the big the big deal? Probably a couple of sliding doors moments. So firstly, the track commentary stuff, um, with a bit of pushing on my part, not hopefully not too cocky, but, but a bit of pushing, I, I got to meet the director of sport at the time at Channel 9. Right. Um, and I said, look, I'm not sure what you're doing, but if you need... Uh, someone to commentate the support races at the last motorcycle Grand Prix at Eastern Creek before it moved back to Phillip Island in 96, um, I'd love to play. And uh, I had some meetings and I met Daryl Eastlake. I can vividly recall meeting Daryl, the late Daryl Eastlake, at at Channel 9 there at Willoughby in Sydney, and I was starstruck. Hmm. Um, And he was really good to me, mate. He was really good. So I I got the Guernsey. I did, uh, I think there was Supercarts on, and I did that with Alan Jones, the 1980 F1 world champion, who I would end up working with, which was crazy. That in itself would have been overwhelming, Uh, surely. Well, he he has popped up in my life in crazy occasions. My first ever ride in a supercar, I won as a phone contestant on Triple M. Uh, I, I, and it um, was in Jones's Peter and it Jackson. It was in Jones's Peter, and I kept the photo and I showed him years later. So, so that happened. I, I won the radio contest. I went for a ride in a supercar with him. I then turned up to this one-off job with with him at Channel Nine, and then we ended up pairing up Channel Ten years. Yeah, it was amazing. So, any, anyway, I met Daz. Daz was incredibly good to me. He he said to me, um, "Hey, pal, you know, come in. You can use my headphones and my my uh, my microphone." And I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm sitting in." Daryl Eastlake's chair here and Baz I met for the first time the late Barry Sheen too which was awesome I sat down I put I put Daryl Eastlake's headphones on and no wonder he used to shout mate the volume was at max I nearly <laughs> blew my ears off because you the, the the sound of the you know the producers now talk about sounds of the game and, yeah. and that's I think why he got so energetic because he had, it was so loud mate it pumped him it pumped him Just right pumped up him, pumped yeah. himself right up yeah so I mean at that point there was a point where you'd you'd been a finance guy yep. then you went into kind of I'm going to give this a crack what was the moment where you went oh, this is me I, I went back to my boss in ninety. 90- Oh man, was what was it? Ninety seven or not? Must be ninety eight. I think it was. I, I cobbled together enough over weekend jobs, mm. some of it over the PA, a little bit of stuff on SBS Speed Week and other bits and pieces to make a living out of it. The one-off job at Channel Nine led to uh, ten getting a bit of interest, and they were in a dilemma because they had acquired the rights to supercars uh, starting in the nineteen ninety seven year. But they already had uh, Super Touring, the two-liter class, oh, on their the books, right. and they were at absolute loggerheads. They they mm. did not. Like, it was a fierce battle yeah. back then. So they wanted two separate teams. And my buddy Lee Diffie had done the Super Touring stuff, and uh, I owe him because he, he recommended me, and I went went and had a meeting at ten, and and so on, and um, and so it started. I didn't leave 2GB really until the end of 1999. I kept going at, at yeah. GB, and, and that became a staple for me. I, I ended up doing um, late-night news reading, and uh, in the end I did some daytime stuff before I left. Mm. I, I got a call at one point from Steve Raymond, who I, I knew through Speedway, and yeah. I just thought he was awesome, and um, gave me some real real praise one night. He was listening to a 10 o'clock news bulletin late yeah. one night, and he goes, mate, that's, you're sounding, it's getting there. You, you know? And I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. that's... That was the kind but of feedback do you think people, I um, It's interesting. Do you think people who have that ability, like big names, yep. Steve Raymond, yep. to make those calls uh, don't understand how, how important they are? 
No. I, I, or do you think he knew exactly the power he was going to have with that call? I, I don't think he would uh, think about kind of trading on it. I just think he... No, no, no. I just, I just mean... I guess what I'm wondering is, do you think enough of those calls are made? Do you know what I mean? Like, in, in media generally, no. No. But when you get to meet some good people and they do come out... Every once in a while, yeah. it keeps your faith in the game, mate. And, and that's one that's always stuck in my mind. It's something I cherish, actually. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, do you then... I'm not, I don't consider myself to be someone who... Someone would be excited by that praise, but you often think, should I send them a message? Yes. And say, great job? You know, because I feel, I feel like we don't hear that enough in life, let alone in the media. Oh, I'm, I'm big on it. So yeah, I don't right. I don't try and go overboard with it, but... but you know, I'll be driving around and, and listen to someone that I've known from our old days in radio that's still doing it, and I'll send a little message and just, you know, hey, sounding great. Mm. Or, um, you know, Jason Morrison, who's now over at Seven, if it's a great story, I might say something on Facebook or, mm. or um, well, Paul, so, you know, Paul He's a great Murray, example, Jason. Know? Yep. Jason Morrison, um, who lives and breathes media right here. I'm yep. sure there's not a moment in his day that the radio isn't on or the TV's not on, right? Um, I'm sitting here in this very very man cave doing a radio show for a couple of years, Um and I had the technology to do it from here. And Jason rang me one night at a show. What time did the show go? I don't even remember now. Eight till nine. Yep. He rang me at like quarter past nine. And he goes, hey, mate, you're just driving home? I went, no, mate, I'm at home. What are you talking about? He goes, what? Um, <laughs> he, what are you talking about? I said, I do it from home. I've got a Comrex. He goes, wow, man. The and we just talked about quality of line. Yep. And it gave me what, I mean, he, he's always been a rap on what I do. So I knew that he was listening because he enjoyed yep. what I do, but it gave me this huge boost that what I was doing was, was not degrading the, the quality of the audience because here's this guy who could tell the difference between an ISDN codec, a com like Absolutely. he's just crazy, right? Absolutely. And it meant a lot. It means a lot yeah. when you get those, those calls, calls about different things. And so I wonder if that's a thing we need to... We, do we need, more of. We need to do more of. I, I feel, mate, a sense of responsibility to mentor a little bit. And I, I do a bit of media training, as you know. But, yeah. but I just think uh, um, life has a funny way of correcting itself. You do need to. I'm not religious at all, mate, at no, all. No. But, but you do need to put some positive stuff out there. And I think for youngsters that are coming through in a very changing media landscape now, it's yeah. important to let them know that they're doing a good job. And then even sometimes just to say, hey, mate, try this or, or, or you know, just positively steer them in, yeah, in yeah. some respects. And, I mean, he's another great guy that, that I learnt off at both 2GB and Channel 10. And Channel 10. Yeah. So the, I crossed paths with him on two occasions. The, the GB stuff was classic, mate, because in the late-night bulletins, he would leave scanners, police scanners going in the newsroom and you'd walk out of a bulletin and the phone would ring and you'd go, G'day, mate, did you hear that? And you know, you're trying to digest all sorts of information. <laughs> what what was it, Jace? You know, and, oh, there's a, you know, code such and such at wherever and, and it means there's a fire in North Sydney or something or other. And he was just... He, I imagined him at the other end of the phone line with his girlfriend at the time, probably sleeping with a scanner under the pillow or something. I was like, mate, you know, you can actually pretty have sure a life. I'm pretty sure he still does. <laughs> Luckily, he married someone as a newso as well. So you, uh, you know, supercar driver, gets into the game, yep. loves the commentary. What was the point? And you need to be egotistical because you're not yep. an egotistical guy. Uh -huh. I've known you too long to know that. But I want you to be egotistical here for a moment because it's fascinating to me. Yep. What was the point where you realized that everyone knew you? Do you know what I mean? Because mm. you were the face or the sound. You were the people knew who Greg Russ was mm. in in a motorsport paddock. Mm. Like I don't expect that. Then when you walk down the street, you know, twenty five people are saying there's Rusty from from the mm. Formula One or something. But when you walk into a V8 supercar paddock or, or whatever, yep. it must a it must feel good yep. to know that people know who you are, and it must have felt uh, I guess like a, a sense of satisfaction that mm. you were achieving in that in that thing you'd chosen to do? It started to happen in the early days, probably of 10. I left GB at the end of 99, and at 2000, I, I started a, a portfolio of things, really, at, at 10, from even doing a bit of sports tonight stuff to commentary and working on RPM. They had, I mean, they had, they had, they had everything big, back yeah. then. It was, it was huge. Uh, mate, I would be lying if I said I was comfortable in my own skin. It took me a long time yep. to really um, even particularly an MC job, stepping up in front of the crowd and really... Because you have to hold yourself with a level of confidence and mm -hmm. ooze that. Because if you don't, the audience switch off in a, in a heartbeat, they can mate. And, it, can't they? and I was like, I was struggling between, I don't want to be a wanker, <laughs> but, 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 but I need to be confident enough to yep. hold it, you know. So... It took time. It really mm. took time, and there were there were some hurdles there. This, things didn't go right sometimes, and and you'd have to bounce um, from that. I remember having a really heavy, heavy conversation with my boss at the end of two thousand, and I had to step down from the the main commentary of supercars back then. And I went into I was in Perth at the mm. time. I can still remember mm. us talking. Um, yeah, cause it's, just, it's weird. I was thinking before we chatted today how many 
memories I have of mm. you and I going back because I, I have a rubbish memory. Awful. Like, I just don't remember a lot of things. Doesn't sound like it so far. No, no, but that's the thing. There's, there's, these, there's these moments, and mm. I, I just think that that goes to how, how close we've been over the years. Mm. But I can remember being in Perth, and you, and you rang me just to talk about the fact mm. that, you know, it was changing. Mm. The, 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 I think the whole thing was changing once again, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And that must have been... Was that the first big knock? Pretty the much, first big change in much. the career? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of things happened there. I mean, I, I deserved a kick up the butt, if I'm brutally honest. I had a great boss back then who mm. was tough on me. Yep. Uh, he thoroughly understood motor racing, thoroughly. And yeah. and to this day, I mean, he's doing great things in New York now. And, and, um, uh, and was, I mean, he'd, he'd come through media as a cameraman in Tasmania. So he properly knew media yep. and he had a passion for motor racing. You right. couldn't bullshit him. You just couldn't. Yep. Um, and he, he was tough on me. But, I had learnt, the biggest thing I've learnt, Trev, in those moments is that you are judged not on the faux pas or the or the moment or the the issue. It is how you pick yourself up and how you deal with it, and that's yeah. how that's what everyone looks at. Not what went wrong, how you choose to deal with it. And I'm a big believer in integrity. If it goes to custard, you know, pull your socks up. There's lots of people listening who have that every day in their daily lives. Yeah. We are not alone here in the media. Okay, we're in the public eye, yeah, yeah. But just just get on with it and do it with a sense of integrity. And I did it on the basis of, I, I, I just love motor racing, just immerse yourself back in that, the stuff that you're passionate about, and, and pick up and go again. And that served me very well. And what was that journey then? Because essentially the journey back was, was extreme because you, you yeah. ended back at, at the top I, of the game again. I, I, I did a number of things where I, I just I got hungry again. Mm. And sometimes I've, I feel like I'm not hungry enough now. There are, there are times where I remember back to those moments and think, I've got to get back to that, you know. Yeah. Two key ones. So I, I did a a job for RPM where we went away dirt bike riding with Daryl Beattie and, and the boys, and it was something completely different. Instead of a race report or some motor racing commentary, it was lifestyle. It was We were, we were out dirt bike riding. You had to soak up the atmosphere of what went on, the interviews. And I tried. I remember sitting down trying to cut this story with the editor with very limited voiceover. I wanted it to be, you take tell the person there, and yeah, let it tell its own story. And that was a real turning point for me. The producer loved it, and we would, over time, make three of these, these Did you things. feel like you, you learned at that moment that you maybe over-egged the, 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 the Greg Rust on a story or something? Um, um, I, I just switched the mindset from the, the stars of the game are whoever, the, the Greg Murphy's, Mark mm-hmm. Scaife, whoever was with us, yep. I can't remember. Uh, Russell Ingle it was um, they're the stars of the game yep. I'm the storyteller yes I'm yep. a part of it and, and there's an element of cachet in what I do or, or notoriety yep. whatever uh, but but they're the stars so I put it in that perspective I tried to tell it as much from their point of view as possible and it, it went off mate everyone yeah, loved right. the yarn and we did a few of them over time and the producer loved it was that the very start of Daryl Beatty Adventures? It was a win- it, was, it was a window into to what he was great at, mate. Absolutely, yeah. and I mean, he grew up in Charleville in North Queensland, and he loves the outback. And now he takes people as I you know, rightly I, say. And, and, and I follow him on Instagram, and it's just it amazing. strikes me as a very strange business, but um, obviously it does well. Amazing countryside, and he gets yeah. people from all around the world coming to take yeah, part yeah. in it. We're digressing here. Sorry, the second so, thing. So, so the second thing. So that was the 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 first one, and now I've lost my train. <clears throat> my train of thought about what the second one was. Oh, September eleven, two thousand and one. Oh, yeah. Right, I'm. It's late night. The station is winding down. Sandra Sully is on air. Uh, I'm uh, there with a handful of other staff, and I walk past what is known in the in the newsroom area as News Exchange, which is like a huge bank of monitors, vision coming in from all around the world, feeds of all different news outlets and what have you. And the people there are responsible for making sure they hit record on the Correct. on the things that you might need at some point during a bulletin or whatever. Correct. So I walk past, and the guy who was on deck, looking after that, was kind of ashen-faced. And he looked at me and said, mate, I think I just saw a plane go into the World Trade Center in New York. And I said, no way, like thinking it's a Cessna or something like that, a little plane. And so he's got the bank of monitors up and you can see the smoke coming out of the, the buildings. And, and the producer that was looking after the nighttime bulletin for Sandra was switched on, switched straight, took the feed straight away. And then the phone rang and I picked it up and he goes, mate, are you watching this? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, please start logging everything. So I sat down and I started to log everything. And, and uh, then, the, you know, Jason Morrison was called in and it just, the whole, we were nearly shut for the night. We were all nearly going home. And then the whole station came alive Getting again. goosebumps thinking about it, yep. So Jason came in and he goes, have you been watching this? And I said, yes. He goes, okay, uh, we're going to have US correspondents. We're going to have lots of people all over this. Um, but I need you to write the first story for the bulletin for me, a five-minute package that sums up the whole thing. Because for people that have been asleep, 
we need to take them through this, what's, what's happened yep. here, okay? And I, I, I was in disbelief. I can remember watching it going, this cannot be happening. I rang Greg Murphy, the race driver. He's a good mate in Melbourne, and I, he wasn't awake. But I left a message. I said, dude, you've got to turn the, the, the TV on. This is like the start of World War Three. This is, you know, unbelievable. And um, so, yeah, so I did that story. I've kept a copy of it good. to this day. And, and um, so some of those things made their chance moments. Yep. But I pulled in both examples. I pulled 24-hour shifts. I, I didn't stop for 24 yep. hours because I felt it important. And and you're a part of a team, sort of at a at a pivotal moment. Yeah. And um, yeah, so some of those things helped me come back. People realised, okay, this guy's a, a hard worker, and and I had perspective on stuff, and, and away it went. Mm. So you get back, and I think again, um, you know, the the supercars it was a huge part of your life. You think about it the was. number of years overall yep. in your life, yep. uh, supercars or the the premier touring car category, however it's been defined over the years, um, a massive massive deal. But then. For me, your decision to move on from that yep. is massive. Yep. Like are you talking massive. the most? You talking the most, most, most recent, recent one? one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's happened. It happened kind of twice in the sense that ten finished up their first tenure or, or round in two thousand and six, and I stayed with ten. My my boss, who I mentioned before, gave me a great opportunity to front the Formula One and to yep. host MotoGP totally. and so on, which was mega. And so I stayed thinking that was a good career move, and I, I pined. I did miss the supercars, but we would go and do different no things. No doubt, for it was RPM. the right move. Uh, it, correct from yeah. a from a. Well you look back ra- now and go, okay, should should I have been into the supercars earlier, yep. or should I? I, I yep. think the Formula One thing is a is career defining. Thank so you. Yeah, it was it was question. very very good for me, and it led to other things. It led to uh, Sochi Winter Olympics, and it uh, it led to Glasgow Commonwealth Games. Because you think about yeah. it, and you're here in my man cave, and there's there's a moment in history that's yep. well defined here in this man cave, and that's the night that's in died yes um and i can still remember daryl Eastlake and alan, alan jones it, it, mm. it, it, it's just chills even now it's mate. chills mm. right mm. Mm. um for a formula one fan no it's not all australians right mm. but for formula one fans that coverage that that iconic hosting yep. it's, it's actually one of the top jobs in australian motorsport don't yep. you think yeah and you, you've got a uh, and now, a lot's changed since then too in terms of what people have access to so totally so how, well, how, there is no for me. I don't know if Channel Ten still have hosts of the few that they do if they do any now because I watch it all. One, on, they do one a year. They do Australia because mm. I got every, every I got every single uh, session available yep. to me on the big screen. Yep. With you got to be honest, the most comprehensive correct coverage you'll ever see. Yep. Why would you yep. ever put an Aussie face on that now when the, what they do at Sky is phenomenal? Yep. So you're essentially at the very end of a of an era. Of, Correct of Formula One coverage. Correct, and and you know how people digested their thirst for it. Now, I mean, yeah. back then you and I were waiting for auto action to come out every two weeks or something or other. Racing car news. Correct, correct. I mean, now well, you can... you know the perspective I give is back then um, Monday morning I had a job in the city. I caught the train uh, when I was sitting at the train station. It said Centre's in a coma. Yep. Um, when I was at Central, that's woo woo. When I'm at Central. There's a bloke across from me reading a paper, and it says Senna killed, mm. and I couldn't go to work. I yep. was, it was just this is, this is crazy, yep. you know. And that's that's how slow that sounds ridiculous to say, but that's how slow yep. the news cycle was back then. Um, whereas now it's a different game, and that's so right. that, that affects applies, the way that affects the that way you broadcast. That affects everything, mm. though. You mm. got, fast forward to your your most recent supercast, it affects that because yep. you've got social media. Correct. You, you've got the the the. Length of broadcasts now for supercars is, is phenomenal compared to what it ever was before. So there's a lot more content to fill for that same reason. You've got to feed the audience or they'll feed themselves. Yep. And You're a big part of that because and, you had to go and just front up to people and just front up to drivers. And and the balance, Trev, for me. So so it's a game where the gladiators are masked. Um, we are immersed in a technical, very technical yep. sport. So you've got to decode that. But for me, it's a human game, and I love that aspect of it. If I can find out through the team, if I can find out through the driver and get them in their own words to talk about what's going right, what's going wrong, that for me is box ticked. That, that's been my big mm. mantra, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the most recent one, um, I had a, I left 10 at the end of 2014, three-year stint with Supercars TV. They're in a unique position where the category make the bulk of the TV, and yeah. the network's kind of... Bolt on. And it's interesting, and I don't know how much you'd want to speak to, but I spent a weekend in Townsville, yep. and it was the weekend that Craig Lowndes renounced his retirement. Now, from my perspective, walking the paddock, mm-hmm. and I, I was in a in a unique perspective that I was I was given access to a lot of stuff there because I was with Paul Murray, who's yep. I don't know some sort of god. Yeah, the they love him. Weird. <laughs> He's a lovely bloke, and I, I I love his show too. But wow, they love him. Yep. Um, and and it was fantastic. But 
it felt to me like there was this protection around the the whole story of Craig mm. Lowndes as, mm. as, as of departure and yep. of what was going to happen next with the team. And it's not for me to talk about, but mm. it just feels like I wonder whether that model is correct mm. and is right because in, we talked about it with a couple of people there. Formula One has a model where they produce the television pictures yep. But they don't. They, they don't create the coverage. Correct. So I love the idea. Frankly, I love the idea that the commentators of supercars, because it's consistent or whatever. But I feel like the coverage around it is still very um, insular, and I don't think it's open enough. Mm-hmm. Did that ever play on your mind as a as a part of that, or did you just? It is what it is, and we, we just push on through. Uh, I mean, the reality is the negotiations broke down. I mean, we went to them with a very very reasonable thing. Um, I'm a big believer in... And there's a couple of people there that I, I lost a bit of respect for that have, uh, that are not there now. Mm. But, but I mean, there's some unbelievably good people in the TV side, mate, yeah, that yeah. are close friends, close friends. And, well, and, he, he, and I won't mm. digress too much, but just think about, again, the rise of Nathan Prendergast. Yep. Okay, he's a guy... You mentioned Speed Week earlier. He's he a guy... properly brilliant, who, mate. ...who worked with Greg Seater, yep. uh, uh, AVE, making Speedweek. Now, Speedweek yep. is a show that's made as a commercial venture by a guy, uh, makes money off it, and he gives it to, to Speedweek, to, to yep. SBS, essentially. And Nathan was just an office boy, became an editor, yep. um, did a bit of voiceover work, and now he's the he's the boss yep. of... And, and a brilliant... He, he's not doing it now because he's the head of Supercars TV, brilliant but he director, was a brilliant but then he director, became, Brilliant. I mean, what an amazing yep. rise up. So yep. There's a bunch of people there, especially yep. in, in, the, in the commentary team and stuff, that are... Just so well placed. They're the yep. right people for that job. Absolutely. But I guess behind the scenes, it's it's like every business, political, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, and and yeah. it's and it's you know you talked about before uh, getting the mix right, and it's tricky. I, th- I think what Formula One do, where you know up to I think it's like five minutes prior to race start, and up until after the podium, you cannot touch H. the pictures. Yep. You can't embed anything in it. They, they own it. You right? can't choose the replays. But, but, just, but so, beyond that, hmm. what you how you dress it up with a preview show, review hmm. show, you know, kind of knock yourself out depending yeah. upon what your rights deal yeah. is. That's that's very good. I mean, there's a lot of learnings in this for, and to their credit, they have really pioneered this in Australia. What they're totally. doing, right? No doubt. A lot of learnings though for other codes that are you know, I mean, you've got National Rugby League now with AFL. the television arm, AFL, yep. all that sort of stuff. You know, so when they ultimately, and that will happen, you know, when they ultimately get to that stuff, there's a lot of learnings in how you make it work and also to the the balance in the threat of 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 social media related stuff because yeah. you know the broadcasters are very nervous about that and often they will own the social rights just to protect themselves mm. um but also to keeping very active and pushing into that space how do you how do you um how do you do stuff that doesn't offend the broadcaster or the broadcast partner but mm. still engage with that segment yeah. and um you know if you create a unique piece of content so that so that it engages with your audience, but it doesn't upset the broadcaster who goes, well, why didn't we get that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's a real juggle, mate. So you, you, negotiations break down. Are you standing on the edge of the cliff like you were leaving finance, going back into, into a little. Free, freelance a little. You know, commentary tracks? Yeah. Because, you know, it's, there's not exactly a lot of motorsport jobs in television around, no. and you're essentially... I'm going to make a I'm going to make a guess because we haven't yep. actually spoken about this, but I'm going yep. to make a guess that you thought there was X number of things you were going to do mm-hmm. When you left, um, looking at it going, well, I'm going to walk away from that now and I'm going to do these five things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a guess that the things that you're doing are slightly different to even what you thought you were going to be doing. Pretty much. And, yeah. and to be fair, I, I'm better at planning stuff now than I was at that time. I was deeply, right. I was wounded. There's no no doubt about the fact that I was wounded. Um, my wife and I made a pretty significant decision in in our private lives. We, she's a Kiwi from the uh, North Island of New Zealand, and we bought a place in 2015 over there. And, yep. uh, and mate, it's not top end of town, but it's a couple of acres. It's a very different yeah. lifestyle. lifestyle. And so we to packed, the burbs into the yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm a Sydney boy. I'm, so, sorry, was that decision made? Pretty much straight after your decision. Around that time, yeah. it was around that time. So we decided to pack up. There's a lot of stuff going yeah, on in your head. Then. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. So we decided to. Roll the dice, um, pack up, step off the Sydney hamster wheel. Mm. I'd, I'd lived here all my life. I'm a city boy. Uh, you know, I miss my high school buddies who I'm tight with, and my mum and dad, and my brother and sister. But we've made a really big lifestyle change, and it's going unbelievably yeah. well. So we have. I mean, I've got a couple. Of, <laughs> I'm not a farmer, trip, but I've got a couple of alpacas. We have lambs. We have, you know, all this. And, and I kind of some days I drive down the road, take the kids to school, and I go, man. This is crazy, but 
I'm also doing, I mean, you know, I'm doing podcasting now, which I wasn't doing last year. I mean, I'm doing all these things. So, that so are, does, is the biggest benefit of that move um, the, the quality family time when it comes? Because obviously it still results in a lot of time being away. Correct. Right? Yep. But, you're, but, away, you're away right now. Yep. You're in Sydney. Um, I'm assuming you're going to be away for multiple days. Um, does, the, does the time at home outweigh the time away? I try and limit it. I try and when I come here, be very productive with my time. I yep. don't like downtime. So, yeah. if I, you know, Monday I'm doing a podcast. I mean, I've just done one with Craig Lowndes yesterday. I did Glenn Seaton at the weekend. I was doing a, a broadcast that was purely live stream at the weekend, the which I loved. Nationals. Yeah, the Shannon's Daniel, Nationals. Yep. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, you might look at it. In terms of tiers, you know, it's not the same tier as a, as a supercar, but, but they, they are loving the live stream and the Facebook live stuff. Yeah. Like that that whole penetration into that area, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm a yeah. guy in my late 40s, so to think that I'm playing in that space seems, uh, you know, maybe maybe I might seem out of uh, out of place, but I'm really enjoying but it. But you so would do it, but to your credit, yep. um, you, you nailed that in the supercar days because you were doing those Facebook lives at the end of at end of races worked. and they worked they because worked. people, yep. it's that extra content, it's that yep. extra value and frankly, yeah, the Shannon's Nationals might not get a million people on TV but if they get 2,000 people engaging with something online, that's for the sponsors, for the drivers, for everyone, that's that's a new audience. Yeah, and and it's it's the numbers are bigger than that which yeah. is good and, and you know, from a sponsor point of view and certainly from the Confederation of Australian Motorsport who are right behind that series, they love it. Yeah, they right. absolutely love it. So, and we've done other things with um, Australian Rally Championship and off-road. I went to the Fink Desert Race this year yeah, for the first that. time. And, you know, to do some of that Facebook Live content, which particularly among the constituents really resonates, mate. And so. let's be honest, um, you bring credibility to it. Uh, thank you. I mean, I, I, I take the same methodology. They could get anyone to do it. Yeah. But, it, but <clears throat> you bring credibility. Again, you could find someone who could talk. Yep. Let's say we yep. identify that person, but yep. having that person uh, hosted still won't have give the, because I think the problem is mm. um, that a live stream is seen, especially by TV people, as being yep. this you know this thing down here. But yep. actually, people don't give a rat's. The punter just wants to see something, and yep. so when they see Greg Rust doing this thing, it's a huge level of credibility to that event, that stream, that broadcast, that whole thing. Yep. That's what that's what you're bringing to it. The, I would have thought the, the, the people that are producing it um, yep. have have. I mean, they've got some of them I've worked with in in supercars and other categories. They're properly good people, and they bring, you know, to use the term, they bring like like uh, broadcast quality hygiene or, or, yes. or an approach to it, and Which it's re- it's re- it's reflected in the end result. That is mate. what punters punters know yep. when it's rubbish. Yeah. Um. So then you've got you've obviously got a bunch of great uh, MCing work and things. And again, I would assume your many years with supercars has yep. led to a bunch of great corporate contacts. Correct. You know, you, it's not like you can ever rely on those things, but yep. there's there's a certain level of of um, of reliance you can put on having yep. some corporate work. But this whole podcasting thing, mate, I would never have picked that yeah. from a million years yep. because the, the, it seems left field to me. It's perfect. Mm. I love it. Mm. But where did that come from? And and what's the process? It actually started before all the stuff about supercars changed. Mm-hmm. We were actually well advanced in potentially staying with supercars and. Sort of shocked us a bit, but anyway, that's another story. I, I made just to finish that yarn. I, I'm big on integrity. I went all the way through to the the Newcastle 500 last year. I didn't want to blot the copybook in any way, and I won't. I won't paste anybody. I yep. won't. I'm, I, I love the sport still, mate. It's very dear to my heart, and I did things that were over and above my contract. I didn't yeah. have to, you know. They asked, well, you know, would I go and assist with a little bit of media training for the Dunlop Super Two guys? Happy to. No, I, I didn't have to do that. If no. I wanted to, I could have said go and get nicked. Yeah. Um, so I maintained the integrity. I finished it the way that I wanted to do at the chapter, and I would never change a thing, right? Yeah. And I still, da- I mean, I go back there occasionally, and they're still really good friends. Yep. But the podcasting thing had started before, before that. that. I'd, I'd had some meetings. Uh, so Podcast One, as you know, are attached effectively to Triple M and, and that group at Southern Cross in, in this country, and they're big globally. And they had identified a a vacancy or a space in automotive. Yeah. And so we sat down and we, we went through a raft of ideas and potential co-hosts and what would it look like? Would it be more um, automotive? And we bounced some different names off it and what have you. And in the end, they came back to me and said, no, no, we want to call this Rusty's Garage. Yeah. And I was like, So Whoa. essentially, it could have been anything. It could have been a weekly talk about cars. It could have been a weekly talk about motorsport. It uh, could have been early, early days. It could have been anything. But you, you ended up with a place where it was, again, great contacts, great people, Let's just talk to the names in this game yep. f- 
friendly, relaxed conversation. That's where you ended. And and it was born a little bit out of where we've ended up. I did last year a handful of interviews for the Inside Supercar show with mm-hmm. Craig Lowndes, Marcus Ambrose. I mean, they were beautifully crafted things in the end, not because of me, because of the editors yeah, and what yeah. they did with them, but... They were very insightful, very revealing interviews because Marcus opened up about his retirement and 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 Craig Lowndes on various other things at the at the time. They were awesome. I mean, he talked about um, uh, you know being teammate to one Montoya and how Montoya was a, an arrogant little so and so back in the nineties when he raced him in Formula Three Thousand yeah. with him, but how years later they're now cool. You know, they've spoken about it and, mm. and the like. Um, so that style of of conversational interview is really the the uh, it's not the same. We haven't copied that formula, but but, no. but a lot of how I go about this was born out of that because it resonated. Those chats resonated. And I didn't want to make it, Trev, just motorsport. It right. had to be bikes, cars, uh, automotive. I mean, I've done a thing there um, with a guy called Chip Foose who is famous Mate. in designs. You yeah, know, I interviewed him a few years ago. Mega. What a top bloke. Mega. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard because I watched the show. You're like, yep. this guy is... I don't think people realise how big this guy is. I was a little bit starstruck, His father-in-law was... Filthy at me because he's a massive fan. And he, I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and, and you, there are people like that that come out of the woodwork that you know, but you didn't realise. Listen, mm. or watch Chip Foose, you know, and, and uh, mate, he was excellent. He was thoroughly down to earth, really engaging guy. And it feels, and we talked about your gear. You're just using a simple recorder here. It feels yep. like you're able to bring that. Um, because even sitting here in the man cave, we've said this. This is what radio studio, right? Yep. Got big mics and everything. But this, this, I think, would be off-putting to to that conversation. Yeah, because yeah. it's a bit more formal. It feels you, you like step in and you sit down and put the cans. We're on both wearing yeah. headphones and yeah. stuff, right? But this is easy for you and me because this is radio, right? Yep. This, this, I think this puts you in a comfort zone. Yep. Whereas sitting at a cafe with you, I think would be different. Probably, I think this would be a very different conversation and in a cafe we, with you. I reckon that's really fair. I mean, some of the stuff I've opened up about, I probably wouldn't share in a cafe. Which, you know? which so. I think is why Rusty's Garage works, right? So, I'm not going to say I listen to them all, because prob- mm-hmm. I'm here's how I absorb podcasts. I look for things that I'm going to want to hear. Mm-hmm. See, the beauty of podcasts is you don't have to listen to it all. Yep. Um, there's a guy called Mark Marin who does a thing called WTF. Yep. It's crazy podcast. Celebrities are through the years, but most of them I wouldn't have heard of. So I go through and I go, no, that one, that one, that one. So I listen to the ones that I know and I've, uh, I know of. You know, I remember listening yep. to Tander early and those kind of things. He was engaging, mate. He was so they were, good. Mate, mm. it is just, it's, it's, it's almost to the point of pull over and wait at your destination listening. You know? Ah, cool. Um, yeah. Because, because it's, it's so personal. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Because it feels like you've just accidentally started recording. Do you know what I mean? Like it feels mm. like they don't know you're recording, but of course they do. So yep. that's an important thing which you're able to bring to it. But I'm assuming because you're now in charge of finding the people because who would have a better um, contact list than Greg Rust? That's your challenge now is continue to up yourself. But you've gone off early with Mark Webber. Thank you. Yeah, he was. Um, he and I have known one another since the 1990s before he even left here. And I knew he was... You know, when I went to the Le Mans 24 Hour in 2015, it was um, in part with his help. You know, mm. I mean, I went with Nissan Australia, but but Mark had teed up a few things for me as well. Yep. Um, and you know that, right? I love it. I mean, just to go there and to be a part of it and see it is huge. Um, Unfortunately, I went as a 16 and a half, 17-year-old, so it's not 23 hours too long to me. <laughs> but uh... I couldn't get enough of it. I yeah. mean, and it was a great a great race back then, Audi, Porsche, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Um, anyway, I knew he was coming back, and we messaged each other a little bit about it. And I said, "Hey, would you would you mind if we spoke about?" It? He goes, "Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem." So he was uh, jet lagged, and um, he was going he, to a gig, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He had a, a big speaking gig the next day, very big one actually. Two, in fact, we did a, a function together the next night for Porsche, but he had a big one in front of a few thousand people at um, yeah in Sydney at Darling Harbour. Anyway, um, we just started talking, mate, and it's exactly as you talked about. So a little Zoom recorder, I kind of, uh, you know, asked my question, tilt the microphone back his way, and we just sat there for an hour plus. And it's a little bit of life and time career stuff and some of the things that people want to know. Yep. Uh, you know, if I had a dollar, mate, for every time someone came to me at a pub and goes, mate, did he have the same car as Sebastian Vettel? Did they Did they stitch him? You know, so I actually asked him that question, yeah. you know, and... and um, among other things, and he talked about the early years of having an old, I think an old uh, Toyota Corona was his first car, a yeah. clapped out thing. And, and um, so we just have this great chat. There's a race element to it. Yep. There's a bit of life and time um, and cars. We, we You come back to cars, what they've got in the garage, yep. resto projects, But then the good thing is, and again, this is why Podcast One wanted you, mm-hmm. is because because Greg Russ talks to Mark. I, I, 
I'm just going to say, if I got Mark Webber, mm. he wouldn't have opened up as much. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have talked about certain things. And also, the credibility of Greg Rust asking um, Mark Webber about Bathurst just defines it and finishes it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that question has been answered now yeah. by Mark Webber yep. in full. It doesn't go anywhere now. It's finished. Yeah, cool. Um, and I find that I find that fascinating. How and that's what's what I love about podcast. It, it's a piece of content that lives forever, and it can be consumed at any time. How have you were you into podcasts before this? Are you even I, I, into podcasts now? Because I, I, I admit I don't listen to many. I'll be honest. I, I I don't get much time, and I've probably got four or five in my in my little app that I listen to. It's just not a thing that I have a lot of time for. Yeah. But some people are all over it and engaging. Yeah, and and that's the thing that's probably opened my eyes. No, I was not big into it to begin yep. with. I knew that it was an emerging space, and I've had a twelve month period. Of, it's been really eye opening, mate. And and probably the key thing. I pictured in my head, in a very limited way, that you know, when we drove here to your studio today, we listened to a bit of Shane Jacobson, Shane Jacobson. right? Rusty didn't ask me to put it on; I already had it on. I was very flattered. <laughs> I was very flattered. Very flattered. Um, but I imagine people digesting it like that, driving to work in traffic, or maybe a long journey, driving to Bathurst for the race or something, yeah. and digesting them that way. I've had people message me going, "Hey, mate, I'm working with Trev in the garage tonight on his motorbike. We're re- repairing the motorbike. We're just having a bit of a man cave session, and we're listening to them. Yeah. And I'm like, that that's, is perfect. Ideal, right? Ideal. And that's what I wanted. I just wanted it to be something that would be complimentary like that. Um, I took all the things that over 20 years of broadcasting that have been my mainstay, that, that um, if I could just ask a few things that I think people are interested in, and, you know, a lot of that comes with rapport and respect that you've built up over time and some of those contacts and so on. But I've branched out, mate. I, I, I've never – I met Chip Foose very briefly at Bathurst last year. We teed it up. I, I interviewed him on the Monday after Bathurst, but I, I hardly knew him. That was phenomenal. Mm. Um, Garth Tander, you mentioned before. I've known him for years, but the insights he gave were yeah, stuff I'd never heard of before, yeah. you know. So – off thoroughly that that's probably been one of my absolute highlights of the Where, year where's yeah. the list is it on a whiteboard or in your head because no, you, you, no you've got a list i have i've got a list so again stuff that i'm getting better at in the the forward planning forward thinking stuff i'm trying to uh hopefully i, I mean i'd love to talk to eric banner about oh, the next phase you know yeah. the, the rebuild and and just his love of cars generally and so that that you know, I want to. I don't want to do just motorsport. I've yep. just done Craig Lowndes because you, know, you were there in Townsville. You know about his retirement and from you're right because it's, it's, you've just. I've just realised essentially it doesn't need to be a race star. Not at all. It could be anyone who loves cars. Correct. Because all you need, or anyone who just has a car, because it's just yep. your, It's really first car, current car. It's that in between. It's that journey. The, the car is, it's like comedians in cars getting a coffee. It's not really because of the coffee. It's just because they're comedians and that's a hook. So yep. you could interview anyone, couldn't you? I, I mean, we talked about Daryl Beatty earlier in the chat here. He's ducking and diving on me and I want to... That's outrageous. Uh, I, well, he's so busy, but hopefully I'll talk to him He's going to make you do the desert thing again. and he, He's at me to do it. I haven't <laughs> done it. I want to do it. But, I mean, here's a great, here's a great story. Yeah. Here you go. So he won his first motorbike on Agro's Cartoon Connection. What? No way. So so <clears throat> that's the truth. He had to write in like 25 words or less. His mum helped him. He won a little Suzuki 50 or something along those lines. And that whole moment kick-started his career. Agro's Cartoon N- Connection no, created no, Daryl Beatty. That was the start. He went off and did lots of other of things, obviously. But, but that was the start. And wow. now, now, he's tracked down that original bike and he's restoring it. No. How cool. So these are some of the things that I'm loving. Yeah. You know, in talking to Craig Lowndes, yes, we talk about stopping full-time driving and, and, and you know, all the impact around around that and key moments in his career. But he's found um, the original first-ever Formula Ford that he raced. He's restored it to the original colours. Um, wow. uh, he's even found the exhaust that he, he welded with his father I and mean, stuff like that. And, and the first-ever Cortina road car, the first-ever road car he owned. He's restored Isn't and it has weird that. How much we love our first car? Yeah, because I, I, my first car was a Seat Ibiza. You know, it was just a car. Yep. But it felt to me like it was you know a different brand Volkswagen Golf. But I, I, I'd give anything to have that specific car. Yep. It's weird, isn't it? It's because of memories. I reckon there's lots of things. I, I went halves with a mate after or a couple of mates when we left high school in a late 1970s Mitsubishi Galant. It had a worked two liter engine with Webers and sports exhaust and we put a roll cage in it and we did club level motorsport bit of rally sprints and so on it was awesome mate and i can vividly recall the sound the engine would make and it just it's the memories i reckon it's mm. the memories those cars create and how they make you feel mm. so to your point i mean greg murphy 
his first, I mean, Holden guy through and through, four-time Bathurst winner, mm. his first ever car was a Datsun 1200. And That's actually a good chat. I have, I, uh, yes. He, he, the way he talks about that car, the things he remembers about that car, beautiful. He's, he's now built a 1200 uh, triple S spec, the same colors, and he's put all these cool things on it, twin side draft, Delordos. He let me drive it recently. So I drove it. I look like a gorilla in a sardine can. <laughs> it's a tiny little car. And you forget how he, you know, heavy the steering is, what the brakes were like compared to modern cars. But there is something cool about that stuff, mate. It takes you on a journey back. See, I went to a thing called the Melbourne Classic. What is it? Some weird classic car show thing. Yep. Anyway, a bunch of Ferraris. They're beautiful. And this guy, I must have been down there. I was down there as media. Someone specifically wanted me to cover a certain thing. And they introduced me to this guy who took me for a drive. Yep. And he's Dino. Yep. Now, this thing's priceless. <laughs> this guy couldn't even tell me what it was worth. Driving through the hills and he pulls over. He says, have a go. I went, I'm sorry, what? Fantastic. I'm sorry, what? What are we talking? What, what, what? Like 1970 what? What was what was the age? You find remember? a photo, but okay. it's, yeah. Yep. Basically, I was driving at least half a million dollars. Unreal. And I loved it. It was great. So then that's like, that'll, that'll stay with me forever. You've you had access to amazing opportunities, whether mm-hmm. it's hot laps and all those kind of things. What is the one thing that you Ooh. love Ooh. <laughs> most? What's what's a memory in 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 not not family? A memory yep. in your career that jumps out most at you as an opportunity? It's not not even money cars can't buy. It's yep. just ridiculous to even consider. We went in the height of the Channel Ten Formula One and MotoGP era around the mid two thousands. Mm. We would once a year go and do a trip to Europe. We would typically do a Formula One race, go and go and do it live at the event, mm-hmm. and then go to the next MotoGP event and come home. Yep, be on the road for about two weeks, and we'd plan other things around it. You try to go to a test track or something, and you'd make stories, and you're busy for the full two weeks. But it was, they were mega trips, very special. Mm. So we went with Cameron McConville, my boss, then David White, uh, and a few others, and we did a trip to the Nurburgring. Oh, so no. Porsche Australia teed up to give us a brand new nine eleven. And Toyota, the, they were then in Formula One, said to us, look, uh, it's not top end of town, but go downstairs. We've got this supercharged Corolla. You can take that. And we're like, oh, supercharged Corolla, you know. But anyway, okay, we've got a bit of both here. We've got a 911 and this supercharged Corolla. And anyone who knows the, the Nordschleife or the Nürburgring, the, the bulk of the year, you can just roll up there, buy a ticket, a cut, cut a lap, and, and off you go. There are times when it's used for racing, but it's publicly available. And that is still that day is like film in my mind. I think the tickets were 17 euro a go, and we just kept... It was, it was like you're at a, a, a fun park. You just kept another buying tickets. Yeah, exactly. Just kept buying tickets. And we, you know, took turns behind the wheel and drove the Porsche, and I can remember... Because you can kill a lot. Of, that's like a 10, 15... What is it, what is it in a 911 for a nufty driving? It's a 15, 20-minute driver? I've got no idea. It's, it's a 20K twenty k lap. Eight and, minute is a, is a staggering time, so... I mean, Webber's talking now about the... Oh, I think, what, what are they down to now? Six or seven yeah. minutes or something. It's just insane. Um, and, and, mate, when you were doing it, you'd often... You'd come roaring up through this section. It's so hard to even get familiar with it. When you... See the legends. Oh, no, I've now... done some laps on Gran Turismo. Oh. <laughs> if you can remember, it, it, you're doing way better than me. But you know, we come roaring around the corner, and there'd be someone on a Ducati doing a pillion ride. So you're out there with bikes at the same yeah. time. I mean, it's just crazy. Plus, just it's like Bathurst in. 1985, you know, there's just cars of every speed going around in it, classes, and so dangerous as all hell. If you love your motoring, when you get there, you, you just you, your tongue just drops outside your jaw as you walk around the car park because there are manufacturers there with cars that are kind of covered up for secrecy. And yeah, right, of course, because because that's where a lot of manufacturers go to Correct. prove their ways. Correct, and then there are know? other guys who've got club cars. There's all sorts of things to. Um, Imagine just having the the Norge life just, you know, a hundred kilometers away, let alone yep. you know closer, and just being able to take your take your weekend. Like people think about doing a track day at Bloody Sydney Motorsport Park, huh? <laughs> By comparison, exactly. <laughs> um, so you had to go there all day in some good cars. Even the supercharged Corolla was. I mean, Daz, Daz. I don't know what Toyota. <laughs> I don't know what they thought at the end. We didn't damage it, but we gave it a good go. Um, then brakes needed redoing. Probably, yeah. uh, but a just epic day, mate, and I still remember it now. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting to me that you would come to a point in your career where you're living the life in New Zealand. Yep. Um, 
you know, the farm life. You got the you got the dogs. You got the kids. Kids loving it. They're loving there. it. They're, they've said. Was, I, that, was my, that a fear for you? The transition. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I there. Um, I in my head, I thought, right, give it. Just be calm. You know, you know what I'm like. I'm a stress cadet. Uh, give it time. Let the kids. You know, they might need 18 months to get yeah, settled in. They're great friends here in Australia, and so on. And we still, some of those friends have already come and visited, which is cool. Wow. But they are, they've gone next level, mate. They've absolutely gone next level. So they've got great little friends. They're happy in school. Um, Sarah came from the area that we yeah. now live. So yeah, She's mate. sweet. She's sweet. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that I'm not. I, the, no, it, no. the great thing for me is the change in lifestyle here has actually been a good thing for, my, for yeah. me, mate, I think, yeah. Well, that, that's why I was asking earlier about the work-life balance, family life balance, because I, I feel the, the movement away from... Even though supercar is not a full time job, yep. let's let's be clear, it's it's this weird thing where you've got, though, you've got a certain yep. number of weekends in the year you have to do something, but it's all consuming because it is what you're known for. Plus, you've got meetings and all these different things. But to go freelance yep. uh, opens up a massive opportunity to spend more time at home. But as I said, you've also got to spend more time away. So there's a there's a ridiculous balance required. You talked yep. about having to you know focus that time away in, into a certain amount of things. Um, what's next though? That's a very good question. I, I feel like privately I'm at a, a little bit of a crossroads. Not career-wise. I still yeah. think I have a lot to offer in the media, but I need to do stuff that is less... Um, and this whole experience has kind of taught me that too. I've got a friend that I, I worked with on the Sochi Winter Olympic coverage. She broke her back, I think, for memory in a snowboarding accident, yeah. and she's come back from that. She, I mean, she's um, made this wellness studio in the Mornington Peninsula and she's very big on yoga and stuff like that, mate. And I, I feel the need to do something. I don't know if I can make a career out of it, but I feel the need to do something that is going to take my mind off stuff, but yep. then allow me to come back and do what yeah, I right. do with the same level of gusto. Of gusto. I'm doing a bit of stuff in New Zealand on TV over there already, yep. which is good. I'm still doing some stuff here in Australia. I did a piece of content, which is due to come out very shortly, um, purely for social media there was a was a gotcha with a couple of racing drivers and i got paid for it i mean i just when you think that that sort of stuff is emerging Do, yeah. and, and that's what i when i said earlier the things you're doing now probably not what you expected to be doing does it still stagger you the kind of things that people need a greg rust for uh, absolutely and and, yeah. and it staggers me to think that it actually makes me sit back and think okay you, widen your horizons here think of yeah. a couple of ideas like that that would you know, if you went to a Mazda or a whoever, that that it would fly with those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know that there is a real thirst for stuff like and and some of the advertising agency meetings that I've I've been in. You know, you go, oh, well, that could probably get a bit of traction on television, or they sort of go, oh yeah, they're mainly interested in but, what digitally you're yeah, going to get. Well, can, what, how many how many shares is it going to get on Facebook? Correct. And how will it resonate in that space? How we yeah. need a version for Instagram? Correct. It's yeah. crazy world we're living now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's changed a lot. I do like that. I I, I I'm not technically great but you know that i've experienced um a lot in the in the social media space i've learned i've learned a couple of things i, I i've in eleven thousand tweets or something i've only ever had one faux pas i got had, jesus i wouldn't want to count mine yeah no yeah <laughs> faux pas or how many tweets you've done oh no tweets mm. is way worse than that but faux pas mate i'm daily who cares yeah. I've learned a lot, but I I really enjoy playing in that space. Do you get a asked lot. a lot about that? Because I, you, there was the, in fact, you reshared it recently. The the that was bit powerful, you did that. at uh, Supercars because mm. there was, what was the nexus of that? There was the Craig Lowndes was copying. Was it Craig Lowndes copying it? No, it was actually Fabian Coulthard, I think, copying it for a pass by Shane Van Gisbergen at Queensland Raceway. Oh, that, that's and, this week. But what the yep. original story that got reshared? Uh, well, way you, back you were responding to you were responding uh, to a lot of social media criticism. There, there was the big crash at Bathurst involving uh, Jamie Wincup and Garth Tander, I think it was, and then it was in 2016. And then, of course, there was the heated crash between I want to say Garth and um, and Fabs at the Gold Coast event, and it was deeply divisive among the the fans. Mm. And the problem with that stuff is that you got to have the passion, but but just have a bit of reality. I mean, I think they feel at times like there's conspiracy theories or someone did this yeah. deliberate. I mean, it's just, that's all just crap. It's yeah, absolute yeah. crap. And, and so I went into Inside Supercars. I didn't really tell the producers I was going to do this impassioned plea. And I just launched, mate. And uh, it really, I mean, it's had 350,000 views or something or other. Yeah. And, and they boy, the boys share, the, the drivers share it on occasion again now when they feel like it's getting out of hand. So, yeah, right. I feel very positive about that. That's I, I don't. I, no one's. You got to be thick-skinned in the media, right? Like if you and I are going to be sitting here yeah. today and you, you can't copy a bit of criticism, you'll never survive. You will not survive this totally. business. Yeah. But 
Which is sad in a sense, but yeah. it's also just a reality. It's a reality, but yeah. I don't like bullying. I don't like the thought you've got young kids. I don't like the thought of them copying that at school. But I, I am a realist as well, and you know there are going to be some tough moments as our kids go through that at school, and there's a balance in, okay, we've got to walk this road because that's life. Yeah, yeah. You'll get that in life, you know, uh, but I don't like the heavy stuff. Mate. We can no. have all the campaigns in the world. It's never going to disappear. Yeah, correct. So I think that's what I think. Shielding it, shielding people from it is is not the right approach. They need to know it exists. Yep. Um, and that's why it's interesting that a you know, grown man who's a highly paid supercar driver can, at a moment of, of I guess, vulnerability, go, you know what, oh, this is just too much, guys. It's got to stop. And that's to, for them yep. to get to that point and reshare yep. that, that impassioned plea you had paints a very clear picture of how, how, how much of an impact social media can have on people. Absolutely. It's pretty sad um, because when you think back 20 years, there was just no... Nothing. Like here I am on a, on a um, Sunday night at 1am in the morning shouting at Twitter about you know Red Bull Racing or something you know like yep. it's why, just, why is the Renault power plant not good it's enough it's hilarious for, yeah, that yep. I would even think mm. that what does that even matter mm. but um, but I see that as just being a you know it's, it's a form of commentary you know we're, yep. we're in a community we're having a conversation I hope it's never got out of, out, out of train but I also think that it's that moment where it's those people who at drivers you know when you actually you know yep. mention them I would yep. very even if I'm saying something essentially negative I'll, I'll almost never actually include them in it because if they're discovering it as a result of that, it means that someone they've got someone searching for that stuff or whatever. But yeah. it's amazing how people can just literally. It's it's why those was it Jimmy Kimmel does those mean tweets videos. Yep. yep. They're, they're a great thing to break through Diffuse the whole. Diffuse it absolutely. It's James Blunt approach too. Yep. He, isn't he the musician that just you know makes funny jokes about people who have a go at him? Yep. Unfortunately, not everyone's a comedian, and not everyone has a thick skin. No, and not, and not everyone's good at that kind of self-deprecation. You know, you've got to yeah. be. You've got to take the right approach to it I, I just think you know in the case of Shane resharing that mm. stuff I think that was because of he felt for Fabian he knew yeah. that it was inaccurate what people were, were saying but that it, it was it's a little bit flattering in the sense that they feel that, that video is still powerful enough two years on to, to reshare it and just remind people just a little bit of a call for calm you know yeah. you know the, the stuff that I think about is if sponsors start seeing some of that stuff and and uh, you know comments at the end of a yarn on a on a web page or whatever it might be, where's the line? So, you know, there's got to be a a, yeah. a, a a level of policing of that stuff to a point. Um, but I mean, that gets costly for the website. I mean, to have someone sitting there just literally trawling that stuff—that's that's ridiculous. So, but. Um, there's a difference in my mind between passion and when they just go way too far. Yeah. 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 Covered cars a lot. Which uh, just finally, what's your favourite piece of technology? Oh, I cannot live. I have in my will. I think that I will. I will be buried with my iPhone. <laughs> it's amazing how important that thing is. It's crazy. I'm as a freelancer, as a business, mm. as a freelance businessman. Yep. You, you couldn't live without it, That's, right? I, I, you know, if you put it down somewhere, and you have that that catch your breath moment we go shit what did I do with my phone yeah. where, where, and, and it, it, it's because it's this thing there's so I'm much getting shakes. Gonna... we've been talking for an hour I haven't looked at my phone <laughs> but my watch is buzzing something's going on something's going on what have I missed so yeah it's hilarious it, it's hilarious um, you wait until the next version of iOS comes out and in a few months it's got a, th- a feature called screen time every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock it tells you how much screen time you've used no during, how many way. times you've picked up the phone what oh, your average, that, that's scary. Man, it's it's really insightful. Mm. It really is, and it'll change the way you approach those moments where you're flicking through it. Do you reckon we've reached saturation around. point? Like, with, there's you know a big drop yeah. in Facebook uh, yeah. share and Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It has to. We have to now revert back to some form of separation, mm. and there will be a sep- so. We're now we're now entering the period of separation anxiety, where we we need to have some separation yep. to bring back not normality because that's never going to come, but to just find our space. Yep. For me, it's Twitter. You know, I used to, it's not open here, fortunately, because I'd be a hypocrite, but I used to have, on the second screen here in my office, just Twitter. Yep. Eight, ten columns of Twitter, just different things going on. But you know, not the now. Feeds. Because, you know what, I never got any work done. Mm. I'm just staring at Twitter. I'm just going, what's happening? What's mm. happening? What's happening? What are people saying? Mm. I'm not getting any work done. Mm. It's very hard, and you would know this is being self-employed. You, you've got to get stuff done. done. Yeah. And that's my biggest challenge, is just getting stuff done. Mm. So There are moments in all of that, though, where something happens, and you didn't know about it, and you go, oh, far out, how did See, I not know that? You know, yeah, like, back uh, in 2001, mm. we had had to ring each other to say planes are in the towers, yeah. right? Well, These did, you, days, did you know Peter Brock had passed away? That's or, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's the thing about working in the media. You have this expectation you'll know about that before anyone else mm. because you, you work in the media. Mm. It's crazy. It's yep. fun. 
Mate, so good luck with Rusty's Garage. Thank you. I love it. It's uh, As I said, I'm not going to pretend to have listened to all of them because some people I don't know. And I'll get to those ones. You know, they're the long drive ones. Yep. They're, the, they're the drive to Bathurst. They're the drive to Mums. That's when you go, what am I going to listen to? And that's what's changed about society is radio is... You don't try and find that local radio station anymore. You just go, oh, I haven't listened to that, um, you know. You can be the director. You have whatever whatever you want. One of the takeaway things to wrap this up was from the chat with Chip Foose. Yeah. I asked him about kind of the future of cars and, you know, will the little box just turn up and pick you up from home? And (laughs) what does that mean for, you know, the aftermarket industry and for, you know, cars generally? And he looked at me and he said, that's like saying fashion will die because... Even if it is, a, 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 you know, an autonomous vehicle, people are still going to want to personalise that. They're going to still want something cool with the right wheels, the yeah, right yeah. bling, whatever. So, I, I still think there will be a place. I, I got very envious coming here today. I think I saw a picture of Dario Franchitti, the the IndyCar star, driving a, an old Ferrari somewhere, and it just it just really it was it was a Ferrari, in fact, like um like the original one that Don Johnson had in Miami Vice, different colour. Yeah, and it just reminded me he he is properly passionate about cars and driving. He just loves it, mate. Yeah. And, I, and I think I'll never ever lose that. It's well, Shane Jacobson said it in that episode I was listening yeah. to before I picked you up, which was, you know, he basically said, that, you know, saying that cars were just a you know necessary evil or something was mm. like telling you your girlfriend was ugly. It's just how can you say that to someone who's Correct. passionate about cars? Correct. There's always going to be that thing. Yep. There'll be a bunch of people who choose to opt into the subscription of the autonomous vehicle. Yep. In the future, I shan't be one of them. I won't be either. My kids maybe, yep. because they won't have the passion. I hope one of them does. Yes. Just so they can inherit the Mazda. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Greg Rust, uh, thanks, buddy. Thank you, mate. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM.